In the name of the Father, and the Son, and God's Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Many of you will be familiar with the story, the, the true story, of Rule Howe, the Episcopal priest who came here years ago to found the Institute of Advanced Pastoral Studies. Um, while he was here, Rule went back to Pittsburgh, his hometown, uh, just for a visit. And while he was there, discovered that one of his old friends was very sick and, in fact, was on the verge of dying. So Rule made some time in his schedule. He went by the hospital, and there, sure enough, he found Charlie. Very sick, but very lucid, and very anxious to talk. Charlie said to his friend Rule, you know, all my life I've wondered what it was going to be like to die. And now that I'm right up against it, I'm amazed to discover it's really an old friend in a new garb. Rule said, what do you mean? Charlie said, well, all my life I've had this experience of having to let go of something familiar in order to gain access to something greater. He said, I remember the first time it happened. I was six years old. My mother came into my bedroom that morning. She said, Charlie, today I don't want you to put your play clothes on to go and play in the backyard. Today, put on your good clothes because today you are beginning school. He said, I had no idea what that word school meant. I knew the backyard, the swing set, the sand pile. Those were all very familiar to me. This other represented the utterly unknown. But at my mother's request, I went. And sure enough, school turned out to be a place of incredible possibilities. There were books, there was music, there were people. He said, I became something at school I never could have become had I stayed behind in the backyard. And then he said, rule from all of this, I have learned something. Every exit is also an entrance. You never walk out of anything without walking into something new. And I honestly believe that what I am about to experience is of that same nature, letting go of the familiar in order to gain access to something greater. Well, Rule thought that was a very insightful image into life and death. Um, and I think it has a lot to say to us this morning as we go through this time of transition, as well as all of the significant changes in our lives. In one of the many retirement books I have consumed in recent months, I was reminded retirement is about neither loss nor opportunity, but rather both. So it is first of all an exit, which means it is time to say thank you to all of you for supporting me, for supporting our family uh, throughout the years. Um, God has done some wonderful things in and among and through us all. Um, thank you to the staff, to Diane and to Judy and to Cindy and to Jonathan and to Matt and to um, our um, volunteer staff, to John and to Ron and to Sandy at the back. Um, 
to, uh, to Bonnie, our clerk of session, and to Deb and to Carl, co-moderators of the deacons, and all of the leaders who have devo devoted so much time and energy uh, to this common ministry. Thank you for the partnership in the gospel. I have a whole new appreciation now when the Apostle Paul writes to the churches he has been involved in, and he says to them, uh, remember me to so-and-so, or I was remembering such-and-such. -such. Um, again, God has done great, great things. Thanks also to our many stakeholders uh, in the community, to the Welcome In Board, some wonderful people, and to the Stage Youth Council, and to all of the crop leaders from the various churches uh, in Berkeley and in Royal Oak, um, and especially thanks to our sisters and brothers at Cana and at Drayton, with whom we have partnered to do so many wonderful things. I want to thank... I want to thank my daughters. Molly and Mariah, it is not easy growing up as a preacher's kid. It's a little like being in a fishbowl. So you always have to go to kids club and youth group, I know that. Damn. <laughs> and it's ridiculous when you're playing your soccer game and you hear your father yelling at the refs and then somebody on the sideline says, oh, don't worry, he's harmless, he's just our pastor. <laughs> it is not easy. On the other hand, no apologies for raising you in a church. None. And especially this church, where I hope you've gotten a sense of how important community can be and a lens through which to see life, and especially your life. And I want to thank my wife, who, um, <clears throat> because she grew up Catholic from the time she was baptized through Marquette, <clears throat> had no idea whatsoever what it was going to be like when um, we used to sneak her into the church as Bob and Debbie Snyder's friends so she could see what it would be like. Um, she has wondered over the years uh, whether she would be the stereotypical pastor's wife, whatever the heck that means in today's day and age. I think she has been wonderful. Though there could have been a few more 4.30 in the morning breakfasts before I went off on Sunday. Um, she has recently retired herself after um, many years of helping literally hundreds of individuals and couples find their way to happier and more fulfilled lives. In that world, she is always Dr. McGuire Moore. Here, she has been more than happy to be Peter's wife, Kathy. And incidentally, doesn't it drive you crazy when people write op-ed articles and suggest that the first lady of our nation should give up her well-deserved credentials 
so that she can be the first lady. Like that would ever happen with a man, right? But that is another sermon. Thank you to all of you. This being an exit is also the time to remind you that I will no longer be doing funerals or weddings or baptisms or any of the other pastoral duties. Those important events are, in fact, the building blocks for new relationships. Kathy, years ago, taught a series here uh, called You Can't Say Hello Until You Have Said Goodbye, and that is true, and so I will honor those promises. Now, for all of you, let's face it, um, this is going to be very difficult. Um, where will you find someone um, who is so technologically savvy? Um, or, or who can read a, a budget like a trained CPA? Or who can diagnose problems with the bus, like a mechanic up at Southfield Muffler and brake. Um, or um, who can fix virtually anything around the church or at a rebuilding project. <laughs> I arrived here, according to Gene Marnick, as a hippie. <laughs> I am leaving, according to Elliot Hilton, who just a couple of weeks ago before he went to Pennsylvania left me one of his cardigans. I am leaving as Mr. Rogers. It has been quite a journey. <laughs> Rabbi Shamira, Rabbi uh, Rami Shapira wrote a beautiful poem in called, called Gates. At each moment of our lives, we encounter gates behind which beckon the unknown. We have little choice but to enter. And as we do, the gates swing shut behind us. We can never go back. The known, the comfortable, the safe, all these are in the past. Only the unknown, the dangerous, the mysterious, and the terrifying lay ahead. Moving on makes us human. Doing so lightly and at peace makes us divine. But as Charlie reminded Rule, every exit is also an entrance. John Calvin, every confirmation student for the last 30 years, will now immediately sit forward and remember that this is the founder of the Presbyterian Church. Calvin was fond of saying, the story of any Christian is a story of many resurrections. Both Randy Horn and Terry Barish, uh, each in their own way, have encouraged me over the last few months to look back and to just think about what I felt best about in the times that we have shared. And there are many things. Uh, this is certainly a successful church redevelopment. I think of uh, the welcome in and the many homeless people uh, that have been helped. I, I think of stage and all the young people uh, who have gone on mission trips. But really, what gives me the most satisfaction is realizing that the fundamental principles here at Greenfield, I believe, will remain the same. The leader will change. 
the mission will not. I'm going to come back to this next week. Yes, I will actually be here again next week. Um, but just so I have said some of these things out loud, this is, first of all, a loving and caring community. Not perfect. People come in one door of this church and they go out the other and sometimes we don't notice. Feelings get hurt on a quite regular basis. But no week goes by that I am not made aware of how people care about each other in this community. Cards and emails and drives uh, for people to the doctor and food that is delivered to, uh, to doors. Literally every week I am reminded of that. Some of those things uh, done because of systems that we have put in place, but many of them done just because you take Jesus' words seriously, that you love one another as I have loved you. And we are, all of us, blessed by this. But secondly, and as you know, a congregation that only cares for each other is missing an essential part of what it means to be church and is no longer vital or maybe even viable. You remember God said to the great patriarch Abraham, I will bless you. I will make your name great, and I will bless those who bless you. It is a promise of divine protection. But God goes on to say to Abraham, and all people will be blessed through you. We are blessed to be a blessing. We come together in order to be sent out, like a football team coming together for the huddle and then going out to run the play. And in this case, the play are programs like SOS and Rebuilding Together and Crossroads Soup Kitchen and Youth Mission Trips. Some of the projects will change. The mission will not. And as you do it, you do it unapologetically as a progressive church. That's a big part of why so many of you drive by 25 other churches to get here on a Sunday morning. Because you know this is a church where you or your children or your friends will be accepted rather than judged for who you are. It's a progressive church where God's word is studied and where we are guided by God's word, but we don't take every word historically, literally, accurately. It's a church which values science, where science and faith are considered to be partners rather than enemies, and where we believe that the best form of evangelism is not condemning other people's faiths but rather sharing the best parts of our own. A church that cares for each other as he commanded. A church that recognizes and cares for all of God's children in his name. And finally, it is a church that realizes we can do more together, working with others, than we ever could by ourselves. Again, this is not absolutely unique, but it is something special about the ministry here. The way Greenfield partners with other churches and nonprofits in the community to create a community youth ministry and many shelters for the homeless 
and together raises hundreds of thousands of dollars for church world service. Partnering with others is not always easy. It means giving up control. It means sometimes you have to work with people who don't plan as far in advance as we do. <laughs> but the community and Greenfield are better off for those partnerships. Ash Wednesday and Good Friday services together, or a midweek program for young families, or a Rise Against Hunger program that feeds tens of thousands of children in third world countries. The leader is changing, the mission is not. And that is what I am most proud of. Nelson Henderson once wrote, the true meaning of life is to plant trees under whose shade you do not plan to sit. Which brings us back to Charlie, who reminds us that every exit, every significant change in our lives prepares us for the exit. Kathy and I have actually had conversations around this. But I am aware now that I now have more time and less time all at the same time. And so to focus on what is really always most important, on relationships, on using the time that we are given to make a difference and to flesh out the gospel, and finally to live into the truth that the one who has been our help in ages past is still our hope for years to come. I can really hear Mariah right now saying, let's not get more bitter, too serious here. So, a doctor, a teacher, and a rabbi were discussing what they would like people to say while standing in front of their coffin. The doctor says, I would like people to say that I was a good doctor, that I cared for my patients, that I was a good wife and a wonderful mother. The teacher says, I hope people will say that I was a great teacher, that I cared for my students, that I was a good husband and a wonderful father. The rabbi says, I would like people to stand before my coffin and say, look, I think he's still breathing. <laughs> Two days after Rule's visit, Charlie did die. Rule was still in town. They asked him to take part in the funeral service. He said he gave the benediction and he took his place at the front of the coffin and he began the long walk up the aisle. He said as he did that, all of his loss in his relationship with Charlie hit him and he hung his head. But then he said, for some reason, I looked up. And there, over the back door of the sanctuary, thanks to the fire department, I saw four letters. E-X-I-T. He said it reminded me of Charlie's words that every exit is also an entrance. It gave me hope. Doug Hammershall the former General Assembly of the UN put it beautifully. For all that has been, 
thanks for all that will be